Podcast. Welcome to Black History Mini Docs Podcast. I'm Bonita Brisker. I'm so excited about our guest today. Our special guest is B.T. Taylor, a very fine actor with many other talents that I've just discovered. He's also a writer, a published author, a poet, a dancer, a life coach, a teacher, and mentor, and a jewelry designer. Say what, say what. (laughs) BT's love for acting began at a very young age, performing on the street corners of New York City. At 19 years old, he booked his first big role in the prolific film during its time, The Education of Sonny Carson. That same year, he joined NEC, the esteemed Negro Ensemble Company, where he studied with the best, which parlayed his career into acting on television and hit shows like Married with Children and L.A. Law, as well as in films, The Nation, Hollywood Shuffle, to name a few. As a dancer, B.T. performed for Eartha Kitt at the famous Apollo Theater. B.T. also danced in a Mahler Gibbs video production. He has performed in over 30 plays, including two with our very own Black History Mini Docs founder, Reed R. McKenzie. As a poet, his poems are featured in several books by many authors, and BT has authored his own books with two new publishings soon to be released in the coming months. And there's so much more to this talented vessel that you'll hear about right now. Without further ado, allow me to introduce, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. B.T. Taylor, BT, 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 what it be, BT. I feel like singing, singing your song because you know what's the song? What, what's the song? BT Express. Express. You know that song, right? Both from Brooklyn. Yes, indeed. Say that again? Yeah, all the time. So, so. All the time, right? Oh. They're both from Brooklyn. So, so tell me, BT, I've only known you as BT Taylor. What's your mama name you? Uh, my mama named me William Alfonso Taylor. William Alfonso Taylor. Okay. I like that. How'd you get BT out of William Alfonso Taylor? How'd well, get- my street name as a kid, as a teenager, 14, 13, you know, um, there was a lot of Billies that I hung out with. It was three of us. Okay. So one guy was named, we called him Dollar Bill. Mostly because he was cheap, but he didn't know we called him that because of that. <laughs> <laughs> Always a lovely nickname when you're a kid. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, yeah. With you throughout your life. Right. So they just called me BT for Billy Taylor. And then when I did my first film, Education of Sonny Carson, you know, since it was done in my neighborhood, everybody was calling me BT. And my the first film that came out had William um Taylor. The oh. first film that I shot. And when this came out, Education Sunny Carson, which came out second, um had BT Taylor on it. At first, I did not like that. I looked at it, I said, Oh my God, they got it all wrong. That's you know, people calling it and said BT. I don't know how they got that uh, the writer. And then I then I looked at it, I said, That's nice, that stands out. B.T. Taylor. And then I, I was happy with it. Yeah, it stuck with me. Okay, I love I that. I love mm-hmm. that. Well, you you know, your your um 
love for acting began at a very young age. And so you've already started talking about something that was on my list. So let's go right there to the education of Sonny Carson. Tell me about that. It was a very prolific film during its time. Tell me, uh, how did you nail that role? That was your first big acting gig, yes? Yes, it was. But I, I just want to state this. Um, as a juvenile in, in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn, um, acting saved my life. Uh, I'm, I'm, the arts saved my life because most of my friends are dead and gone or in jail, and and a few of us survived. Um, but acting very saved profound. My life. So, so, so mm -hmm. I'm gonna back up. Then let's talk about your your humble beginnings, where you grew up, mm -hmm. and 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 what. So you're saying acting pulled you from the streets. So, so absolutely. Tell, tell me what street corners you hung around in New York City. Where'd you grow up? <laughs> Fulton Street, Fulton and Breakfast, uh, in Bedford, in, in Bed-Stuy. That was the main, you know, dealing when I sold my weed and did other things like that. You know, as a kid. Yes, um, yes. As a little kid. And 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 hung out and, and, and did things that I shouldn't have been doing and stayed out late um, at night as a, as a child. Um, I was going in the wrong direction. And what saved me basically was acting and let's say um um one of the and, and activism, you know, because I you know, I've been as a child as a Black Panther. Then I, I left home to join a Mama Baraka um in in New Jersey um when I was 16 and I stayed there for about a year. Then I came back in the 17 and I was kind of lost and not knowing what I was going to do and where I was going to do it. And I said, let me go back to school. And I went to a little storefront called the Bed-Stuy Street Academy. Um, and I saw- In Brooklyn? In Brooklyn. In Brooklyn. It was on Bedford Avenue and Quincy. I I, I saw my first- um, not play, I've seen a play before, but first students of my age doing acting. And and it touched me, and I said I could do that, and I started doing that. And a year later, um, I was a professional. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Did you ever perform on the street corners of New York? Oh, yes, I did. On Bed-Stuy Street Academy, um, drama department. We, most of our plays were done in parks, in the street count corners. You know, we got paid by the city to do them in parks and different places like that. Then we did some theater in the theater. Um, we would do some plays and did that. And, I, I and, love the history of of uh, performers and when when you know artists say, "Hey, art." And acting and music changed my life. It saved my life. In mm -hmm. fact, many famous musicians started on street corners of, of New York City and other major cities. You know, one of my favorites, Louis Armstrong, had a great story. Billy Cologne and a lot of comedians, our beloved right. late great Robin Harris, Bernie Mac, they too also stood on the street corners telling jokes and said, you know, I started in the streets, literally performing there. Mm -hmm. How old were you? You said you were very young when you began. How old were you when you booked your first film, The Education of Sonny Carson? I had just turned 19 years old. Amazing. And, yeah. and you said that was your... That, yeah, I did two films. 
that that was my first film. But right after that, I did, did Honey Baby, Honey Baby. But Education of uh, Honey Baby, Honey Baby came out before Education of Sonny Carson came out. Okay. And that parlayed into that because that was a pretty big film with some major stars, The Education of Sonny Carson. So you had already began studying I before The Education of Sonny Carson when you were in Yes, school? I have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, I was I was in my last year of high school, um, which was with the um, like I said, Best Side Street Academy, and I joined their drama department, and we did you know shows on on the street. We didn't we didn't have a hat collecting money. A lot of times, we were paid to do it you know by the city okay. on certain street corners. Uh, At sixteen years old, I I left to go. Um, to be a black nationalist um, when a mama Baraka at a committee for unified Newark. You know, I just said, mom, I'm going. And I packed and left once I heard mama Baraka speak. And I, I, it, something touched me because I had a revolutionary mind. And that's, that saved me too, because between the drug world and, and the revolutionary one making people better, you know, I kept shifting back and forth, you know, thank God. Um, so that kept me from the outcome that a lot of my friends had met at that particular time. And I first got kind of introduced. I wanted to be a, they called the Spirit House Mover. That was a theater company that Imam Baraka had. But I had to learn a lot of rhetoric that I really didn't fully um, understand. Um, not understand. I understood it. But I didn't fully buy into. Ah, ah, yeah. You know, even at that age, I didn't fully buy into that. Um, the you know what they were teaching the you know um, and so you had and that would and you had to know all that stuff to get the rank to be able to join the theater company. Yeah. So you know you know I let that pass, and when I got home, I discovered a theater company in the in the high school, a little storefront high school and um the turner to high school and it say like i said it saved my life it helped me i have friends from there that i you know i meet once a week today you know you know discuss writing and do other different things on zoom they're still in new york i have about five to ten good people in my life you know um joy sylvester the great playwright yeah that's my sister yeah uh, my good She's friend and um, and we talk about every day and, and, and critique each other's work all the time. That's so, awesome. She's a great actress. I worked with Joyce a, a while back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's a great actress. And she's director, great director, producer. She's all around. But she came from Bed-Stuy Street Academy Okay, we met there when we were 17 years old. And um, magnificent woman. Yes, she so, is. I, I can remember, and, and and Joyce also has um, uh, something that's going to air soon. She did a doc; they did a documentary. Junie Smith yeah, did a documentary did it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. on on these incredible ladies, and Joyce Sylvester was one of those incredible ladies that they mm-hmm. spoke about that was in this film. So everybody yeah. should go and and see that. Yes, yes, yes. And so I read in your bio the same year of you earning your first big break in the sunny. Carson film that you enrolled at NEC. 
that had to be exciting and, and a life-changing moment in your life as well. Oh, Tell it, it was what like, was it like? Um, a, a gentleman named Steve Carter, who was a writer at um, the NEC, um, he, he was mentoring our group. So he invited several of us to audition for the NEC. And so um, me, Joyce, and a few other people, went. Jerry Bell um, went to audition there. George Campbell and we and we got in, um, and and it was exciting because you know this is a place where Ryan O'Neill, a lot of people from Good Times, you yeah. know, uh, you know, and, and all these shows that I've been watching on TV, um, were at you know these magnificent actors. Cecily Tyson's came through there. So many wonderful people played in the Blacks when they did that particular performance at the beginning. And I was a part of this um, as a student, you know, in the beginning. And it just um, gave me the basic training because the street theater was kind of different. I didn't have the solid basics. Mm-hmm. You know, we went out there and performed. We were loud and had fun. and But that gave me the solid basics. And it allowed me to work with great people and learn from great artist you know obviously so you, you turn award you know all these magnificent people um robert hooks you you obviously belonged there obviously your talent spoke for itself for you to get in the negro ensemble company because they churned out many greats over the years angela bassett denzel washington sam jackson his wife latoya latanya i'm sorry uh, Lawrence Fishburne, Felicia Rashad, like you said, Bobby Hooks, mm-hmm. L. Scott Caldwell, Jim Pickens, all, some of my friends, Essie Patha, right, Merkerson, right. Ruben Santiago, Hudson, Lynn Whitfield, the list goes on, Glenn Turman, mm-hmm. Shell Shea, Mary Alice, the list goes on and on and on. What was your greatest takeaway lesson from the NEC, something that remains with you today? Mm. Always do the work. You know, dig deep and do the work, you know, keep the fundamentals together, you know, and and do the work. And I mean, that'll, yeah. you know, that'll keep you going. Do the real work. Right. The Negro Ensemble work. Company is certainly respected worldwide for its commitment to excellence, mm-hmm. producing. They still today produce several uh, plays. It's been a constant source of sustenance for Black actors for decades, writers, directors, providing a theatrical home for more than 4,000 cast and crew members over the years. It's won dozens of awards and honors. Uh, Please help keep the legacy alive by donating to the NEC. You can visit their website at NEC.org. BT, we have to take a break here, but um, I I just want to pause for a short but very special BHMD moment, and we'll be right back with Mr. BT Taylor. Podcast. Label me a Black Panther. Label me a Black Panther. Like Brother Fred, as he got shot 82 times while sleeping in bed. Call me a freedom fighter like Huey P. He was only guilty for starting a breakfast program so kids can eat for free. Give me black power like Brother Stokely. Even in exile, he still administered and fought for freedom remotely. 
helped me open my eyes to see the truth. That little Bobby Hutton was the first black martyr, way before the hands up, don't shoot. Give me a strong queen like a and why not? So we can give birth to geniuses like Pop. Help me organize a party like Bobby Seale. So we can one day ride with law books and shotguns for real. Go ahead and call me an agitator like Angela Davis. Her battles in the courtroom and speeches was all done to save us. Let me be free like Asada Shakur and Castro. If they open their minds instead of their jails, the FBI would have never had a need for Cointel Pro. Tell me what's going on like Elwich Cleaver, it's only right that my mind is on another level, but my soul is on ice. All right, you good? How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Okay, good. I'm fumbling and stumbling, but that's okay. The reason, right. they clean, it up. clean it up. <laughs> They'll clean it up. That's good. Yeah. I, I don't know what I'm doing. I guess the first time you get the feeling like we did the last time, it feels different. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Because before we did, we, but it's good. It's going very well as far as from, okay. you know, it's okay. going very, very well. I'm bashing myself for little room. Okay. Let's start over. I try to, I try to keep it flowing <laughs> so Reed doesn't have to do too much cleaning up. But, but no, it's, it's, it's going very, very, very well. Mm-hmm. So. I appreciate you, and uh, we are doing it and doing it, and you're looking great. The mm-hmm. button is still on. We have no issues. I can switch the page, and then we're going to come back right in. Ah, okay, here we go. Ready? I'm ready. And five, four, three. All right. Welcome back. B.T. Taylor, you know, in the short time knowing you, it's really quite apparent that you are a very spiritual man. You can look at you and see spirits shining all over you, spreading love and wisdom, which offers the reason to me why you started a prison ministry through your church, Agape International Spiritual Center, founded by Minister Michael Beckwith. And Now you work as a facilitator and a mentor for Spirit Awakening Foundation. Very impressive. Tell us how you came about that and and the work that you do there. Um, Well, I met um, Reverend Michael in the 80s, free um, Agape Spiritual Center, uh, International Spiritual Center. And um, and when he started this church, I was invited um, to um, his living room to 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 help build the foundation of Agape International Spiritual Center. 
Um, and I was blessed to be a part of the, those humble beginnings. Um, and it grew into something magnificent. Um, and out of that, um, I became <laughs> through um, a funny, well, it's funny now, wasn't funny then. Uh, <laughs> I had tickets in California, all over in several cities in Orange County and LA and this and that. Well, uh, what, and traffic violations? Is that traffic what you mean? Vi- Traffic okay. violations. Uh-huh. And at that particular time, you go to jail for traffic. You don't do that now, but you went to jail for traffic violations. Um, So I spent five days. They would usually take you in and let you go that day. But since I had it in several different cities. Oh, man. I had to to go back to jail. Let me out. Go take me to this court here. But the blessing out of that was. And I didn't see that then. Right, because that is, it's not funny. Yeah, I didn't see that then. Um, That I would, every day I would try to get out of the cell by, you know, volunteering for something this. And and so they had a church there on Sundays. I definitely was a Catholic church. I'm not Catholic, but I was going to go anywhere because I'm, you know, it's spirit, you know, worshiping how they worship, but it's still spirit. And I went and the, the nun ask people to read and you know the guys oh no I'm not going to read and then someone wanted to read but they were scared to read and so just being who I was and, and studying spirit and being an agape I said well let me read and I read you know the what, what she gave to read and then after that a lot of the men kept coming up to me and start talking about some telling me they were afraid to read now I knew I was going to get out in a day or two because I only had five days and I was even sentenced about it. Everywhere I went, they, you know, dismissed the charges, but I had to go through the process. Yeah. Um, they came up to me and they started telling me their stories. And what I saw was a fear in their eyes. I knew I'd be out in five days, but some of these men were, were facing long term. Yeah. They didn't know what they were facing. They knew that they could be there for, for many years or go to prison. And so after that, I just went um, to Aisha Mason, who had the outreach at Agape International Spiritual Center. Okay. And I told her my, you know, what was going on and how I felt. And I wanted to do something. And then we decided maybe we could start a prison ministry. And then she hooked up, hooked me up with a, a young lady named Unity, who had the same kind of experience. Her experience was a little deeper. She went to jail because her husband was a, a, a weed dealer and she just got caught up when the when and so she spent a little time. So we her and I hooked up together because we both became what we call practitioners of spiritual counselors at the church. And we decided to start a prison ministry at Agape. And so we went into um the prisons, you know, women's prisons, men's prisons, and we were a regular at um a, a, a federal prison in called Terminal Island, you know, in where is it in in Long uh, Beach? Long Beach, right, right off of Long Beach with San Pedro. San Pedro, yeah, yeah. San Pedro, right. And so I did that for about fifteen years. You know, fifteen years. You know, I bought music in. I bought the arts in. Um, we, I did a sermon. I bought you know different kind of speeches. Wow of all kinds 
um, not just, you know, um, my particular denomination, but all time Muslims, Christians, Buddhists, you know, because you did that for 15 years, 15 years. That's fascinating, BT. You know, 15 years. Yeah. You know, and now. um, Well, you you've changed a lot of lives and and, and now you are my life. Yeah. Awakening Foundation. How did you come about that? What What's the work you do? Well, my, one of my one of my um, wonderful friends, you know, Akuyo Graham, which I've known, you know, for many, many, many years out of New York. I met her when we were both students um, at HB Studios, um, an acting company. She had a one woman play called Spirit Awakening, and she started doing it out here. Then she started taking it to um, the youth facilities, um, youth prisons, to do it for free. And then she started going there to talk, you know, for free. And she did this for many, many years, helping the students, and she created a foundation. And once she found out she could get paid for this after many years of doing it for free, out of just love, um, she still does it with love, but now she was able to hire other people. And I was one of the first people she asked to support her in this endeavor um, because I did the spiritual, you know, prison ministry and, you know, because I have a love for people and helping people to grow. And these students, so we work with foster care students. We work with um, in prison students in juvenile halls and juvenile camps. You work, I go to high schools and teach and, um, and just show them, you know, for me, my basic foundation that I tried to get them that they had choice, you know, because like, like many of my friends and growing up, they didn't know they had choice. My mother and father showed me that I had choice on some kind of level. They didn't use those words, but by the action and deeds, you know, for my parents and my aunts, I could see that there's something better, even though I, it could have went any way for me, but I just knew you know that, but some kids, you know, they born into trauma, yeah. and their daily life is trauma, and all they know how to respond is in a, a traumatic way, yeah, uh, because they can't see. You know, I mean, I've known kids in California that never been to the beach, you know, and they never been to the zoo, you know, they've never been to a lot of places. That you know, we we would go to and see exposed. they haven't seen successful, peaceful, harmonious um, black people, and so my job was and and Latino people to expose them to that. Luckily, right now and blessedly, um, in the last two years, we get more exposure of successful black people on television, but that's new. And what's the age range of the children where you're working now? 12 to 18. And and how uh, can but you... I, we also work with, with, with children, young people in their 20s, because after they graduate, we have a, um an after-school thing on Tuesday. Oh, nice. That people could come to, anybody could come to, any teen could come to. So there's a there's a, a the program there offers um, a certified graduation a certificate of completion. Um, we work with the high schools. Okay, I the see. high school be in an institution. 
we give them a certificate saying they stated this, and that's mostly for the judge. Nice. You know, <laughs> to know that they're making some progress and working on themselves. Yeah. Or yeah. give them more of a sense of self, a sense of worth, a sense of power, a sense that life can be good. A sense of optimism. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A sense of hope. So yeah. how so can other kids and and parents or young adults join the program? What's the requirements? How do they get in? Um, on on Tuesday, they just have to go to spiritawakening.org, spiritawakening.org, and 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 join and state that they would like to be a part. And so that's right now that particular program is done online. Okay, by Zoom. By Zoom. You know, you nice. have a person, but right since the pandemic, it's still on Zoom. Okay. So any place from around the country, um, they could join. It, um, it makes it it's very convenient. It's lovely. Mm -hmm. I, I I finally got used to having, you know, look at us right now, having our, right, right. you know, one on one right here on Zoom. I visited the website. I was fascinated by the organization mm -hmm. founded by Akua Graham. Akuyo Graham. Akuyo um, she's a Ghanaian, a Ghanaian American. And uh, we take the and one of the beautiful things about Spirit Awakening, um for three years, you know, every other year or you know, tri year, um, we we have taken the kids to Ghana. And we're supposed to be doing that this year coming in 2023, um, which would be a total blessing. I've been twice. I want to uh, go. <laughs> I want to go. Can I go? I'm, I'm turning to the kid. I want to go. That's beautiful. Yeah, and, um, incredible. and we take trips, you know, here in Los Angeles all the time. Not the one, ones that are incarcerated because we cannot do that. Mm -hmm. But once they get out, they could travel with us. But in the high our high school students, um, um, twice a month, we try to take them to a new place that they've never been to see. Uh, we just went to see A2 Proud to Bay, um, Mo the Motown show that was on Broadway. Uh, we saw that at the Amerson Theater um, about oh, two weeks ago. Wow. You know, just places they've never been, never seen, um, eye-opening places, and give them something to inspire to. They may not want to act. They may want to direct to produce, be a a writer or a mathematician or but just something that know that other people that look like them are doing spiritawakening.org right vital and worthy cause a program that teaches incarcerated and underprivileged youth how to communicate and express themselves through creative means yes 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 First, let's talk about two new books. <laughs> talk about your books that's coming out, your your children's book. You have mm -hmm. uh, Dancing Man and you have a poetry book, Goddess Eyes. Tell mm -hmm. us about the subjects and what was the impetus for writing these books? With a, with a, with a children's book, um, I went through a, a, a children's book program at called CLI, where, where we they had a children's book program. I, went, I did that to help solidify my poetry book too because I've been writing poetry. I just had to get it together and put it and turn it into a book. Um so that one, the children's book is called Dancing Man. So it's about a young um black boy, three or four, discovering 
dancing for the first time by watching a street artist dance, you know, um, and he's excited and motivated and says, mommy, I could do that too. And mommy says, yes, son, you could do anything you put your mind to. Yes, you can. You could one day be a dancing man. And um, it just, it's just a motivational, fun um, book for young children. In the, in the poetry book is a spiritual, romantic book in the kind of the realm of Rumi, um, Hafiz. And nice. It's romantic poetry. It's two books in one, romantic poetry and spiritual so the first book is basically romantic, but it's really spiritual too, because it's, it's love and love of spirit. Love it. Um, but it's you know human to human. Then then the second part of it is your relationship with God, with spirit, with the divine life force. You know, however you see it, but the very essence of it, you know, put into poetry. Um, and I and I enjoy it. I enjoyed putting the book together. Have wonderful artists um, that has work in the book, Valerie Broach and, you know, Robin Strayhorn, the great muralist of Los Angeles and around the world. Um, if you ever look her up, Robin Strayhorn. Okay. And she's, she's the niece of Billy Strayhorn. Okay. And, uh, you know, I, that, I, I that worked with Duke Ellington. Yeah. Worked with Duke Ellington. But her art is magnificent, and I'm very honored to have her um, do the cover and have work in the book. Um, so I'm excited about my other children's book in it, and um, that is called um, My Daddy's the Best. Oh. About a young Black girl and her single-parent father, you know, she misses her mother but appreciates everything her daddy does for her. You know, taking her to school, combing her hair, doing the things that a parent. I, I have a yeah. nephew like that. So I can, yeah. I can, uh, I can, you know, attest to that, give you a mm. testimony on, on how wonderful these men are. Men are incredible single fathers who are out here mm. taking care of their babies. Yeah. I was a single father. You know, my yeah, son's growing huh? up. I, yes. you know, I had him since he lived with me since he was eight. So this is from your personal experience, the best. Kind of, yeah. I didn't have a daughter, but you know, I had to, mm -hmm. you know, take the responsibility of a parent, not just yes. being a father, That's but right. a parent, um, which is uh, can be different, you know, than just being a father. The responsibilities are are just as great. Mm -hmm. Yes, parenting. And my son, you know, he fought he, at the time. He's not acting now, but you know, the Stephen King's It, the first one. Yeah. You know, he starred in that. He, you wow. know, starred in. Um, he, he did a lot of different shows. His name is Marlon Taylor. So he uh, followed in his father's footsteps. On his father's footsteps. You yes, know, he so did. Was, Book is about to be released, Dancing Man, and it brings to mind uh, how you can find your joy through, you know, the expression of dance and uh, knowing that you are a dancer as well. Um, I just um, am very uh, passionate about men 
dancing and and your writing and all the work and your talent and so happy to have you here with us and I just wanted to get to our final segment of the show because we're running out of time and I say the best for last and the proof is in the pudding as they say but actually the proof is in the making or the proof is in the creating and I am living proof <laughs> in fact I'm a little cuter today because of you and your amazing amazing you know. I don't think nothing can make you cuter. You make it cuter. You know? <laughs> you light a light, baby. Light a beauty. That's you, I, for for you listeners who can't see, and hopefully you will get a chance to see. You've got to go now. You got to log on to the website so that you can see uh, these incredible earrings. BT, as I said earlier, is a jeweler. He makes jewelry. Um, and orange is one of my favorite colors. He has on an amazing necklace that um is is afrocentric he's uh put these beads together from from um the motherland and and i had to actually go and pull out a special piece from africa to rock with your earrings so so Mm -hmm. tell me when in the world how in the world did you start making jewelry like this and when did you start Um, i I, I started making jewelry maybe about 12 years ago, um, I had um, kidney failure. And so that changed my life was my acting career and other things. Yes. And I was on dialysis, so I had to find a way um, where creativity can be released. So yes. it got released through writing and making jewelry. Um, and then I found out that, you know, I was making it for myself. And then I start selling it off my neck. You know, people would come and say, "Well, I want say, that. Well, I, yeah, one of them. Hey, I'll you know sell you this one." And, yeah, because I'm gonna buy that piece on your neck right now. But keep going. I'm sorry. <laughs> and and so that's that's how I started making jewelry out of a kind of a necessity um, to keep myself sane. You know, to on my Twitch um, to keep my mental health together. Yeah. Um, Because that's very important. We have to support each other. We have to listen to each other and assist each other. And no matter what anybody looks like, you never know what they're going through. Because I was out there dancing and people saw me and no one would know. Looking you know, good, big smile. Yeah, looking face. good. Right, right. No one knew happy. what I was going through. Spread um, joy. Uh, yeah, so you know, still working in the prison ministry, still doing this, still doing that. No one would know, so you never know what anybody's going through. So jewelry was an outlet of that, and I found that I could also make a living doing it. You know, I had also um, had some income coming in that helped me um, um, go through what I was going through, um, gave me time to sit down and write. You know, the pandemic helped me with the writing too. It just gave me time, but um. It's a blessing to make jewelry. I love it. Um, it's a joy. And um, I appreciate it, you know, adorning um, beautiful women, um, queens and kings um, with jewelry, just to help them have a, a great extension of their own life. Hey, I'm telling you, I'm telling I'm a little cuter today. <laughs> because of you. I appreciate that. Thank you, BT. Thank you for sharing your personal story. Uh, mm-hmm. It's very personal to me, too, because I know people 
who have experienced that, who are experiencing that. My brother-in-law is going through something now with his kidneys and, um, you know, we're, we're an extension of each other. And so I'm looking forward to, um, sharing this with him and, and, you know, helping him press on and, and one, you know, showing us how you did it. And it probably wasn't easy, but, uh, you are certainly a specimen of uh, uniqueness and beauty and strength, and uh, and we really, really appreciate you. I'm very, very impressed. And thank you again for these exquisite earrings, which are now on my favorite things list. <laughs> you, I'm you, glad. I'm friend, glad. Man, you are indeed a, a jewelry. Is it possible? Do we have time that I could close with a poem? Yes, um, let's let's do that. Let's do that. Let's let's keep making history. I would love that. All right. This poem is called The Dark Waters, and it can be found in the the book Goddess Eyes, um, which is The Dark Waters. Ascending into the heavens as I dream of floating in the river of your ebony skin, reaching into your mysterious darkness. I find myself, love calling me to your love, calling me through you, beckoning me deep to, into your very soul, passing your heart along the way as it cries tears of joy and pain. And I'm watching the beauty of your understanding. The secrets of your being unfold before me, the dark waters you are. The sweet waters of your sensuous temple uphold me in a river soft but firm. Ah, I have discovered the secret essence of the Nile as I float up the mountain, undreamable, and lie in the valley where time is no more. I lose myself in you. No breath, no sound. Just the dark waters, still, silent, love, a love deeper than feeling, quiet, sure, unstopped, just being, no more you, no more me, just the dark waters, I may never return from which I came, I may never return to who I was. I may never return, never return, never return. Thank you for listening. Oh, MG, I may never be the same. I will never be the same. Mm. That was BT. Yes, Rumi. <laughs> that was quite um fulfilling and empowering you could feel mm -hmm. all of that yeah uh, you delivered it so well also so all your mm -hmm. talent came out in that piece but uh your writing is quite exquisite you are certainly an artist a full well-rounded artist and i am so happy and proud to know you oh my god we have just I don't know you, sister. 
Thank you. Thank you. That was really quite fascinating. Your story is fascinating. That that poem just rippled through me. It was really strong. Man. Wow. I'm sorry that we're out of time. I would ask for another one, but that was I'm so glad we we got that in. Thank you for blessing us with that, BT. Oh man, I want to congratulate you on all of your success. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for the poem. Thank you for the jewelry. Thank you for your contributions to our history and our culture and our people. And thank you so much for sharing your time with us. It's been awesome. So roll out your information again. Tell us how we can reach you for bookings or through your social Mm -hmm. social media, your talent agency management, anything. Give us uh, information on how. Uh, My website, williambttaylor.org williambttaylor.org uh, my social media handles uh, instagram is bt taylor um and my facebook is william bt taylor and the spiritual awakening foundation uh website yeah feeling of spirit awakening foundation website is spiritawakening.org spiritawakening.org and if we go to your website, we want to know how to purchase your jewelry and your books. Is that just going to your website? Yeah, that's just going to my website. And I have a wonderful artist, Valerie Broach, that is working on my website at this, as we speak. Awesome. 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 Well, everybody, you have the information. Please support Mr. B.T. Taylor purchase his jewelry you go and you'll you'll see when you you better you better ask somebody <laughs> all righty then that's a good good deal and to our listeners let's keep making history thank you so much for tuning in to black history mini docs podcast please look for more exciting episodes to come and please please Subscribe to BHMD hit love hit like share and leave us your comments and tell us whatever is on your mind I'm Benita Brisker. Take a break to create a very empowering moment in time. Be strong, be safe, be well, and more importantly, be kind to one another. Black History Mini Docs Podcast.